Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to our uh, Sunday morning Bible study. Uh, today, we begin our last chapter uh, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at the first four verses. Uh, the title of our lesson is A Word to Leaders. So let's go ahead first and read our verses. It says, So I exhort the, uh, exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, just as we come into chapter 5, let's just very quickly kind of reorient ourselves in context. This passage is about how to shepherd or lead or pastor a church that is suffering. You'll remember last week we we did our final word on suffering. This whole uh, book really has been predominantly about uh, suffering. And, And last week in chapter 12, Peter said, Don't be surprised, there's a fiery trial that's coming to test you. In verse 17, uh, he told us that judgment begins at the house of, of God, right? So it's all been about suffering up to this up to this point. Now as he turns to chapter 5, he's going to start talking about how to pastor or lead a church that is suffering. So we need to keep that in mind as we move through this uh, book because it kind of helps us orient or keep ourselves uh, oriented with what Peter is going to be uh, saying. So let's make a couple of just very basic observations about these verses uh, before we get into the details. The first thing we need to understand about churches is that churches had elders. Now, remember, this book was written 2,000 years ago, and and Peter, when he opened up in, in chapter 1, verse 1, he was writing this church this to churches that are scattered across multiple Roman provinces, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, uh, Bithynia, Asia. Now, this is a huge geographical area, um, and it's very diverse. But you'll notice that Peter just makes no qualifications. He's probably writing this letter to dozens, if not hundreds, uh, of churches, but yet he doesn't say, well, if you have an elder, or if you're being... Th- no. No, he just makes the assumption that this is the way church is is done, and he, he just addresses the elders in the the churches. So what this does is this tells us that this was absolutely normal. This was the normal way that uh, churches would function in that day is to have elders or pastors or as their leaders. So these elders that he's talking about are are what are called shepherds or it's just another Greek word for, for pastor. Now, the noun for pastor or shepherd actually only occurs once uh, in the New Testament, and that's in uh, Paul's list in Ephesians 4.11, where he says he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or you, sometimes your translation will say pastor. It's the same exact word. That's the only place where the actual noun is used. But the verb to shepherd or to pastor actually occurs all throughout uh, the New Testament. For example, we've already seen it here in 1 Peter 5.2, where he says shepherd the flock. John 21.6, where Jesus tells Peter, Feed my sheep, that's the same word, pastor my sheep, tend my uh, sheep, shepherd my sheep. Acts 20, 28 says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock 
in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church. Again, same word, pastor, shepherd, tend, feed, care. So elders are shepherds of this flock. They are pastors, if you if you will. Now, the next thing we find out about these elders is that they are responsible for oversight. Again, 1 Peter 5, 2 Shepherd the flock among you, exercising oversight. Now, oversight is not the only duty of a pastor, right? Pastors teach, pastors preach, pastors uh, counsel. They do a lot of things. But he only mentions one here, and that is to uh, exercise or conduct oversight. Now, so they are overseeing things. They are looking out over the flock. They're responsible for seeing the big picture, Right? They're, they're responsible for looking down the road and, and seeing potential problems and making sure the flock is, is protected and put in the right uh, place. See, in one sense, these, these elders or these shepherds, they're sheep like every other Christian. They're no different. There is a chief shepherd, which of course is Jesus Christ. But the way they're different is in three ways. Number one, they're different by their calling. They have been called to be elders or pastors or shepherds. Number two, they have gifts. If God has called them to that, then he has gifted them to fulfill that calling. And the third thing is that their calling is affirmed or recognized by the church. Now, like I said, in one sense, they're sheep. But in another sense, they have a responsibility that is different from the rest of the sheep. I use the word responsibility, or maybe I could use the word accountability. The chief shepherd is one day going to hold them accountable for their actions as elders. The rest of the sheep will not have to answer for that. Okay, It's only the elders, only the shepherds. And let me tell you, that is a huge responsibility. There is not a greater responsibility. The president of the United States or the president of a country is not near the responsibility that the pastor or the elder has. They are going to be called to account for how they shepherded the flock of God. So those are three very simple but also important observations. Churches had elders. These elders were to function as shepherds, and their job was to oversee or oversight of the flock. Now, as far as I said, as we can tell from Scripture, that was the normal way that churches have worked from the very beginning up till today. It was universal. It didn't vary from church to church, and it, and it wasn't unique to a suffering uh, congregation. Now, even though it wasn't unique to a suffering congregation, I want you to realize that elders in a suffering church have different pressures on them than, say, elders in a, uh, a non-suffering church. So, uh, remember, Peter is writing to a suffering church. He knows they're going to go through things. He said it over and over in every chapter. So I think what what follows here has a special slant to it, if you will, for those that are leading a suffering church. So here's what he says, and I want to look at four things. The first one is this. Shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight. Now what does that mean? What, what does it mean to shepherd the flock? What's involved in that? Well, in Matthew chapter 9, there's a telling scripture by Jesus. He said this, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So it, one of the things that Jesus says, if you take the shepherd away from the sheep, that sheep tend to be helpless. They tend to be harassed. Now, what did he, what did he mean by that? Well, 
You know, we grew up in modern times, and, and not very many people uh, have livestock. Uh, maybe some people have livestock, but they don't have uh, sheep. So I thought I would tell you a few facts about sheep. And these, for people that handle sheep, or people in, people in Peter's day uh, that grew up with all this, these would be just, that you wouldn't even bother telling them this, but we have to kind of educate ourselves. So here's a few facts about sheep. Sheep, first of all, have absolutely no sense of direction. Um, you know, we've all heard stories of dogs, right, that are, are, are you know, taken miles away and then they show back up on your doorstep. But I, even other animals had do this. I had a friend one time who had a, uh, who had a cow and he bought a cow and the, the person bought the, brought the cow in a trailer down a highway, down a road to this, uh, my friend's house. And the next morning, uh, my friend got up, went outside, cow's gone. And the cow had pushed over the fence, went through several people's yards, through the woods, crossed two highways, and went home. Now that's a cow. So the, almost all animals have this innate sense of direction, but not sheep. If a sheep is taken away or they wander away, they have absolutely no chance of finding their way back. They'll literally just walk around in circles, uh, confused and, and panicked. Um, another thing about sheep is they are absolutely blind followers. Um, I had some hybrid sheep one time, and uh, if you looked out in my pasture, there was a trail. They never got out of that trail. One, and there was always one sheep who was the leader. And this sheep, if this sheep just decided to walk down to the other side of the pasture, every other sheep would get behind them and go. And if that sheep decided to come back, they would all get behind that sheep, and they would come back. They're just followers. Um, in fact, if you if you read up on sheep, uh, when they're led to the slaughterhouse, they have what they call a Judas sheep, and this is a sheep that all the sheep other sheep follow. And the Judas sheep will lead these sheep to slaughter, and then he'll go back and get another group and lead them in. They're just blind followers. They'll they'll follow another sheep even to their death. Another thing about them, they can't find water. Uh, most animals are able to smell water if their water. Uh, if, if somebody took away their water source or their water source was defiled or dried up, they absolutely cannot find another, another water source. They can't smell it. They have to be led to, uh, to waters. Uh, they are defenseless. Uh, somebody said one time, have you ever heard of a sheep fight? No. You, don't. you haven't heard of a sheep fight. They don't bite. They don't scratch. They don't kick. They don't do anything. It's almost like they lack a self-preservation instinct. And Here's something you may not know about sheep. They are filthy animals. And, and what I mean by that is their skin produces something called lanolin. And it's a sticky substance. And it gets in their, their wool. And it's, it's, it's very helpful to them because it makes them waterproof, which is a great thing. The bad side is that everything sticks to them. So if they go through the, 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 you know, they go through the forest or they go through briars or they, anything at all sticks to, to them. Now, you wouldn't think that's this bad thing, but there's this really weird thing, and I don't want to gross anybody out, but they literally will get stuff stuck to them back where they uh, expel their waste, near their, near their rear. And it can get so clogged up back there, if somebody doesn't take care of them, that literally it stops their waste from expelling, and they can actually uh, die from it because they can't get rid of their uh, their stuff. So every so often, the shepherd literally has to shave them. He has to keep them clean so that they can continue to do the things they do. You, you know, you see dogs and cats licking themselves. Sheep have no capacity 
or no interest in, in doing that. So that has to be done for them as well. Now, this is the context where Peter says, shepherd the flock, shepherd the sheep. You see, that this is the sheep of God's, these are God's people that he's describing. See, it's a full-time, relentless responsibility because sheep just absolutely have great needs. They can't protect themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't water themselves. They can't even do things to heal themselves. And then they get very discouraged. They get very harassed or panicked very easily. So, again, helpless, hopeless, easily led astray. That's the flock of God. That's the sheep of his pasture. And by the way, just a, a brief note towards shepherds. The lowest people on the social ladder in Bible times were shepherds. Um, they were generally filthy because of all the stuff. They were outside all the time. They were sleeping outside. Uh, they, were, they were constantly with these sheep, cleaning these sheep, picking these sheep up, moving these sheep. So they were just absolutely dirty and, and messy. And by the way, that's what made the angels appearing to the shepherds outside Bethlehem such an amazing thing. When the angels came, they didn't appear to the elite. They didn't appear to, to, to these great leaders of society. They appeared to these lowly shepherds, which was just an amazing thing. Okay, so we got a good view of the sheep. We got a good view of what a shepherd does. Now, Peter gives us three ways to exercise oversight. And, and, and what he's going to do with these three things, he's going to emphasize a negative, and then he's going to emphasize a positive. In other words, don't do it this way. Do it this way. The first thing he says this is when you shepherd the sheep, elders, don't do it under compulsion, but do it willingly. Again, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Now, why does Peter begin here? Why, why does he say don't do it as though somebody's making you do it? Well, think about it, right? What kind of situation might come against a church that makes the elders think, you know what, I might want to find another vocation? Well, it's pretty obvious. It's suffering. You see, when persecution and suffering and hard times come against a church, shepherds have a lot less desire to be leaders and elders than, uh, than they would in good times because it can become dangerous and it can become difficult. Now, here's two reasons why it can be dangerous and difficult to be an elder. First of all, during times of persecution, elders, pastors, leaders are the most vulnerable to the first line of persecution. I mean, just think about it. You're the leader. You're the, you're the visible one. You're the one that's on YouTube. You're the one that's on Facebook. You're the one that's that's you know on the on the billboards or whatever. You're the face of your of your flock. So when persecution comes, you're going to be the very first one that they try and attack. We see this in the New Testament, right? It was the church leaders. It was men like Stephen and Peter and James that suffered. We saw it, uh, for example, with Richard Wormbrand and his wife. He, Richard Wormbrand served 14 years in Romania in a, in a communist prison for preaching the, the gospel. He got out and went on to found voice in the, of the martyrs. But again, they always attack the leaders first. Even uh, Matthew 26, Jesus said this, Strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So it's dangerous to be a leader of a church under persecution. And it's understandable 
that uh, these elders might have second thoughts about their calling uh, in that situation. A second reason why it can be dangerous and difficult to be an elder is that they are particularly vulnerable to God's judgment. Do you remember what Peter said earlier? He said, it is time for judgment. This was back in chapter 4. It is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Now, Peter was, uh, we've said this before, This Peter's very familiar with the Old Testament, okay? This is an, an absolutely terrifying reference to Ezekiel chapter 9. If you go back and read Ezekiel chapter 9, there's a description there where God brings judgment on his people for idolatry. And it says there, he began at the house of God. But not only did he begin at the house of God, he began with the elders. Ezekiel 9, 1-6, Then he cried in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Bring near the executioners of the city, pass through the city and strike, and begin at my sanctuary. And so they began with the elders who were before the house. You see, it's not surprising that elders in these churches might be a little reluctant. So Peter is saying to them, exercise your oversight, right? But don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it like like somebody's making you do it. Do it voluntarily. Do it willingly. Do it eagerly. You see, this is why danger and difficulty is always a test of the true shepherd. In John 10, Jesus said this, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Now, of course, Jesus is talking about him himself here, right? But the fact, that's that's the truth. A hireling, somebody is just, you know, it's just a day's wages. He's not going to stick around when, it gets, when, t- when going gets tough. So the presence of danger and difficulty and suffering and persecution tend to separate the hirelings from the shepherd. Now, notice that I said tend to. But that's not always the case. There are a couple of very strong worldly motives that a man might even risk danger for if he thinks the reward is great enough. And those two things are money and power. And these are the two things that Peter addresses. Look at next. He says this, Not for shameful gain, but with eagerness. Again, shepherd the flock of God. Exercise oversight. But don't do it for shameful gain. Do it eagerly. Shameful gain literally means that this person is, is, is in ministry. He's, in, he's, he's running a church. He's, he's, he's over the flock of God. But he's doing it as a means to get rich. He's doing it because he's motivated by vacation days. He's motivated by retirement benefits. He's motivated by money. Okay? He's not motivated by the value of the human soul. He's not motivated by the beauty of truth. He's not, uh, he's not motivated by the crown of glory that he'll receive from Jesus Christ. First Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and says this in chapter 6 in describing these people. He says, These people are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But you see, a man might even hang on a while. In, in suffering and persecution if he thinks that the monetary rewards are great enough. The third uh, reason here, a third motivating factor, could be power. And that's why Peter, I think, goes out of his way and says this, not domineering, but as an example. Let's read those, those verses. Shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight, 
not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Again, this is another worldly motive that might keep someone in power even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of trouble. Domineering implies that this shepherd is driven by a love of power. He gets an ego high from flaunting his authority, uh, his prestige, his dominance, that sort of thing. He, this is a man who likes the best seats in the synagogue. This is a man who likes titles. This is a man who craves the praise and the approval of other men. Now, how this person dominates could be different ways. He could be overbearing. We've seen men like that. Or he might be manipulative. Or he might be the consummate politician that always stays just out of trouble and says the right word at the right time. But you see, what Peter wants us to see is the test of an elder lies in their example. It lies in their life. Their entire life. Not just their church life, but their, their, their entire life. Is their oversight of the flock just a show? Or does their whole life prove that they're authentic? Is there a public shepherd and then a different private shepherd? What about his family? What about his finances? Does he show hospitality? Is he, is he discerning? Does he have a good reputation? Does his spiritual walk? I mean, all of these things come into play. Is he an example to the flock? Now, those were the negatives. Let's focus on the good shepherds. You see, we just spent time looking at, at the negative side. Do people that do it under compulsion, do it, people that do it for shameful gain, people that do it because they're domineering. Those are all reasons why people are pastors and elders and shepherds when they really shouldn't be. But what about the good ones? See, there are men serving out there in these churches that are willing. They are eager. They are serving in, as examples for the people. Um, they really want to be there. They're doing it for the right reasons. They love the flock. They value the flock. And so they're there as good shepherds. So what is it that sustains this shepherd? Even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of persecution, what is it that makes these shepherds keep doing what they're doing? Well, Peter told us in verse 4, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You know, around this country and around this world, there are a lot of really good men serving as pastors. And what keeps them going is not love of money. It's not the love of power. And, and by the way, a lot of those who feel are doing it under compulsion eventually burn out and leave because you can't sustain that. See, what really keeps these good shepherds going is something else entirely. What keeps them going is they know that one day, when the chief shepherd comes, he's going to call them to account. Did you feed my sheep? Did you guard over them? Did you, did you love them? Did you, did you, were you vigilant about watching over them at all times? You see, in the end, these good shepherds understand this is not their flock. This is the flock of God. They've been given a group of people by God to be stewards over them. See, the elder is not shepherding his people. He's not shepherding his church. It's God's people and God's church. As I said earlier, this is the highest stewardship possible. It's greater than any political office. It's any greater than any business office. It's, it's, it's greater myriads and, and just levels greater than anything this world could ever assign to a man or a woman. It, it's, it's as if God said this, Here, these people belong to me. 
I want you to protect them. I want you to feed them. I want you to keep them as clean as you possibly can. I want you to guard them from the wolves that are trying to devour them. And one day I'm going to come back and you're going to give an account for what you've done. Let me tell you folks, this is nothing to play with. See, this is why shepherding and pastoring is not about administration. It's it's not about coming up with another program. It's not about being creative and having great ideas and, and being an entrepreneur. You can build a church full of people, but you can't build a church full of God's people. You see, shepherding is one thing and one thing only. It's about feeding the sheep. right? It's what he told Peter. Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. See, one day he's coming back. And with him, he's coming with this reward. The Bible calls it, or Peter calls it, the unfading crown of glory. And you see, that day will be good enough. That, or that will be enough. That, 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 uh, that reward for the elder shepherd. That, see, on that day, they'll, they'll say it was worth it all. So I want to, one final word. If you're out there and you're watching this and you're an elder, you're a shepherd. You're a, you're a pastor. You're a leader of some type in your church. Let me tell you, finish the race. Finish the race. There is an accounting coming. And, and when that accounting is made, if you've given it all, you've done your best, it's going to be worth it all. And if you're one of just the sheep, maybe that's not you, can I tell you, understand the responsibility your pastor has. Understand the responsibility that your church staff has. Understand the responsibility that your board has. Pray for them. Support them. Be there for them in any way that you can because their responsibility is a great one. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this word as always. I ask you, Lord, for River of Life. I pray for our leaders. I pray for our staff members. I pray for our board. Uh, anyone in a, in a position uh, of leadership. God, I pray that you'd strengthen them. I pray, God, that you would just reinvigorate them with joy. That what they're doing will not be done out of compulsion. It won't be done for any of the wrong reasons. But, God, it'll be just out of love for the people, love for your word, and more than anything, love for you. For those of us that may not be in that position and we're just part of the flock, God, help us to support our staff, our pastors, our elders. Help us, God, to pray for them, to be there for them, Lord, because we know what a great responsibility they have that one day they'll be accountable to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.